Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. <laughs> hey! Well, you know, this is our special Comic-Con episode. Well, it would have been our special Comic-Con episode. We would have been doing it live from down there in San Diego. The, uh, did we do a Geek Buddies show down there? I think we did one. Didn't we do it live down there uh, or something like that yeah. last year? Did, mm. In the hotel or something? Or did we just do no, it like last year? Last year we tried to do you. Did, you weren't in the car. I by the way, I'm just dressed for summer not, vacation. I'm dressed look, for summer vacation. You look fantastic. You were not in the car last year because oh, you didn't I come didn't down. Year, right? So we tried to do a Geek Buddies episode on the drive down with special yeah. guest Mike Kalinowski. Right. We did not have all the technical know-how. We we, had, we John Roca is our fearless leader, co-host, and technical advisor, and he was not there with us. True. Well, but we really we, we up- really just call him the tech guy. Let's be <laughs> yeah, honest. that's what it is. <laughs> uh, apparently, the guys um, didn't know how to speak into a mic correctly. So, we, by, by a year ago, but now but, these gentlemen are pros. But we did do we did do a Geek Buddies episode on the drive back yeah, with Kalinowski and uh, and our good Geek Buddy Tony Campanella playing right? the mic stand. Yeah, so it was good. It was <laughs> the, good. The was silent, good. the silent Tony Campanella. <laughs> well, we all know Geek uh, Comic Con actually is not happening this year in terms of in person going to the convention center, San Diego, all of that. So our main topic today—I know I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead, but I just want to let you all know our main topic today is basically the Geek Buddies program their Comic Con for this year. What would we want to see? What would we want to see revealed? What announcements? What reboots? What have you? Casting stuff. All the stuff we'd want to see. If you hear any knocking, sorry, any knocking going on, it's because I've got earthquake retrofitting still happening in my apartment. So I apologize to anybody who's upset. Uh, but we're going to get into all of that. First, let's introduce ourselves. My name is John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, and host here for the Outlaw Nation. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies and a gay mouse Today. Thanks and- for the hat. 
And I am Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and the Goldbergs. And when, if the big one hits, John's building is either going to be very prepared or it's the first thing going down. Yeah, I apologize if it's annoying anybody. I've been dealing with this for like weeks now. And look, they're doing they're doing the right thing because apparently we got to make sure this thing doesn't fall over. But it's costing a lot of money and taking a lot of time. I mean, look, having to record in between the hammer swings. Not an easy thing to do for sure. Look, if preparation is key, you're going to be the only one left standing based on how long this is taking. So. I'll be like uh, Tony Stark in Iron Man 3. I'll be able to survive that attack on my Malibu home. Uh, for those of you who are new to the Geek Buddy Show, thank you so much uh, for taking a chance on us or for listening to us. If you're listening to us on the uh, on the podcast version of the show, which is available on the separate iTunes feed or wherever you download podcasts, just look up the Geek Buddies. You can listen to all our episodes from back there. Um, and uh, those of you who are old uh, or, or returning rather returning uh, uh, viewers or listeners to the show. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, for those of you who are new, this is how the show works. Three, oh, We do three geek news items in the first half of the show. Take a little bit of a mini break for our podcast sponsors to have their say and then jump into our main topic. Uh, and today we're covering a bunch of stuff uh, from Bad Batch to Fletch to the movies we're watching during quarantine. And as I already said, our main topic uh, is us programming our Comic-Con. Thanks to everybody who left such great comments on our show last week. Mike and Shannon, we had 74 comments last week. And I think some of them were ours, but not to the extent where it covered up to it looked like 74. That's a lot of comments for one episode. So certainly people have a lot to say about J.K. Rowling in that Cancel Culture episode. Yeah, there was a there's a there's some good discussions, some good debates, uh, yeah. a lot of opinions. It was really good. Uh, so yeah, definitely. As I usually say at the end of the episode, and I will say at the end of the episode, definitely keep up the comments uh, on the YouTube channel, on Twitter, because we really, really do enjoy it, and we do like to dive in and debate with you guys, and talk with you guys and girls and uh, others, and have discussions about all the fun geeky stuff that we talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one last plug. Uh, we did a we did another extended conversation about cancel culture with my co-host of the Cinephiles, Steve Morris. That is over on the Cinephiles YouTube channel or over on the Cinephiles podcast channel. If you're a patron at a certain level, you can get to listen to that conversation, hour long conversation. And we all four of us went at it. Well, Shannon didn't really go at it. He was kind of stepping out of the fray, but the three of us certainly went at it while Shannon watched for his pleasure. So you can listen to that or watch that if you want after you're done with this show. But anyway, let's get into well, and it. Hopefully, and hopefully that's the first of many yeah. of, uh, of our brand new crossover series, The Geek Files. <laughs> the Geek Files, yeah. <laughs> the Geek Files. We should, wear, we should all wear trench coats and have a whole opening where we open the door, open the file cabinet, and pull it out. Oh, canceled culture. You know, something like yeah. that. I mean, if, it, if it was, if we were The Geek Files, like which like famous detective would each of us be? I feel hey, like. It's a good question. I feel like who's who? I'd be Luther. I'd like to be Luther. Yeah. I, feel I like think sh- I'm. I think- I'm going to be Monk. Well, I was going to go more Ace Ventura, but I could see that with you. I could see that <laughs> what about you, Mikey? Uh, you know, I, you I would the like... You have an answer. I, well, I kind of want to be... Col- I don't think I am Columbo, but I just like Columbo. Yeah, I like his yeah. style. So I'll I go with that. I, 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 I was thinking, I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> I like to be the guy, I like to be the guy that, that you think is an idiot, but then at the end it's like, oh, I got one more question. I got one more question. And then you just lay it out. <laughs> just as you get to the door, oh, one more thing, one more thing. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you lay the smack down without getting overly confrontational. 
Yeah, like that's, how, that's, how I roll. that's how I roll. I just want to put on a fake British accent to keep my hands in my pants the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I would like to be Columbo. I'm probably more Great Mouse Detective, but I'm going to go with Columbo for today. I can see that. Who's Steve? What would Steve be? What's what kind of detective would Steve be? Mm. Mm. Do we feel like he would be a uh, a Sherlock? Uh, one of one of the versions of Sherlock? A very very analytical. I don't know. I, I I don't know. There's some. There's a detective out there somewhere who takes a whole season to solve the case because they've got 500 different theories they want to explore. I feel like that's the Steve Morris uh, detective. I don't know which detective very, that is, but that's a, a very thorough. He's thorough. A thorough detective. Absolutely, He's very thorough. Thorough. Um, anyway, all right. Let's jump into our show here. Uh, who's got the first geek news item for us? I do. Uh, lots lots of lots of excitement around very very little actual news um <laughs> but the star wars uh twitter and instagram earlier this week uh announced um that there in 2021 is going to be a brand new star wars animated series based on the bad batch uh the yeah. group of sort of ragtag clones that premiered at the in the first four episodes of season seven of clone wars this year on disney plus uh and everybody freaked out about this because i think everybody sort of resoundingly thought the bad batch was kind of awesome uh mm-hmm. you know seeing these clones that were sort of the not to regulation clones the clones that kind of turned out a little bit differently each yeah. one kind of based on a cinematic sort of vibe that we all know and love whether it be sort of a a a, a rambo or this or that uh just really really cool characters and um so the, uh, the fact that they're going to get their own series is super super exciting and it also means that sort of this world of the clone wars and rebels and this animated era of star wars that we're all super super fond of we're not quite done with yet um, obviously, people are also there's always rumors about we're going to get an Ahsoka series. We're going to get a series that follows up on what happened to Ezra post Rebels. And given the popularity, chances are those will come too. But it's really, really exciting that the first thing out of the gate post season seven of Clone Wars is this series based around the Bad Batch. Not much is known about what it is, when it takes place. Is it a prequel series where they see that where we see their adventures leading up to where we meet them? Is it a series that takes us? through Order 66 and beyond, where we see how they maybe, like, uh, didn't, uh, where that didn't apply to them because they're so different and we get to see brand new adventures. Who knows? But everyone is super, super excited. What do you guys think? Yeah, I couldn't be more excited. As soon as that arc was over, all I wanted was more. Because, you know, the way I'm built, man, Star Wars is a good, I enjoy the franchise. I love it, right? But it's it doesn't have that kind of, like, overt masculinity that can attract me to certain things and when the bad batch showed up that was when i was like oh hell yeah this is my language this guy was it wrecker sergeant hunter crosshair and tech those are the guys that i love watching like in the 80s action films or in the 90s kind of action films as well those were fun to see so to see them in animated form like this i was incredibly excited by this and so I and I love what D, uh, D Bradley Baker did voicing them all and giving a different variations of them. I mean that guy must he must have seven houses D Bradley Baker. But like <laughs> now he, he keeps going with the clone stuff and I'm excited about this. I hope it's post everything that happened in Clone Wars so we see like what's what ventures they go on. 
I hope they only rarely uh, cross over with any of the original trilogy or uh, prequels people and kind of do their own thing. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I hope it doesn't run out of gas because you guys know this could end up being like a villain of the week type thing as opposed to an overall arcing story. So I hope they have spend a little time flushing these characters out, exploring their pasts, exploring what you know where, where their connections are, all that kind of stuff, kind of like they did with Mandalorian. So I'd like to see some of that with a bad batch but overall this couldn't excite me more uh and i can't wait till it debuts i'm gonna watch it every week it comes out yeah this is this is awesome news and like the thing with animation i imagine most of our most of our listeners know this but animation is planned way in advance oh yeah yeah so by the time the clone wars came on disney plus i mean the bad batch it's it was going already um, they, it's not like they saw that and were like, oh boy, they, they're really getting a good, they're, they're, they're getting a good response. Let's, let's get something in development. More than, more than likely, they saw from the beginning, like, oh, if we decide to do more, these guys, there's a lot of fertile ground here. And in terms of uh, time placement, I'd like to see both. I'd like to see when they first, when they first sort of became warriors, like mm. what, what bonded them all together. And I'd also like to see after we met them. So we get more of it's fives right fives that's with them yeah yeah i mean so we get to see how fives starts to fit in to this sort of motley uh, no, crew it's, it's echo isn't it it's oh, echo? echo right 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 yeah. okay sorry 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 yes i'm looking well at we it, get yeah. we get to see echo kind of fit in with this motley crew of soldiers i mean right. i remember when we when that first uh three episode arc finished i obviously love the characters i wanted a video game I'm yeah. like these guys are are tailor made for video games where you're where you're cycling through the characters, figuring out which one is appropriate for each mission. But an animated series, just as awesome. I mean, it's they're also characters that you're like, God, I I I hope they make the leap to live action because these are it's it's an uh, an untapped corner of the Star Wars universe. As John said, we we've not seen sort of the predator version of clone troopers yet. Like let's let's see what <laughs> let's see what how these guys fit into a a galaxy far far away. Yeah, the I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> um, no, and I think and I do think you guys are. Right. I mean, my my guess is that it will be a sequel series because of the way they introduced echo at the end and we sort of like they they kind of created this really interesting fascinating character and what echo had gone through and how he came out of the other end and i think seeing how he sort of fits in with the new team what he brings to the team as they move forward and seeing how they navigate the order 66 of it all is kind of part of the excitement uh and then having this team of clones going out in the what is it 15 years between the end of clone wars and the beginning of rebels is that is that what it is roughly something like that yeah, i think something like that. um um, so anyways, whatever it is, like just seeing how they fill that time uh, in an era of Star Wars where we're not real necessarily going to be dealing with the Jedi or anything like that, but this other aspect. And as we said a thousand times before, uh, the best part about Clone Wars is it's taken a lot of the things that maybe some of us didn't love so much about the prequels, yeah. like uh, the clones, and turned them into these characters that are some of the most beloved characters in the universe. And I think that the more time we spend with the Bad Batch, the more they will become uh elevated to that level of rex and fives and some of these other clones that we've really come to love so super yeah. awesome news can't wait to find out more about it yeah inverse wrote a right uh, a pretty interesting column about it said that the uh the bad batch could solve three problems in the star wars universe right now could explore how the republic became the empire through their adventures and their experiences they could explore more about the crime syndicates we get more background on the member underworld yeah Underworld was going to be something they were going to do. So that could be something to explore with Bad Batch. And also stormtroopers and clones, like how they have kind of like 
interact around each other. What's that relationship? All of that could be explored here. And they also describe them as like the A-team of Star Wars. And I think there's no better description for them. For those of you kids out there, there was a show in the 80s called The A-team. <laughs> Yeah, that was, was the best. It was remade into a movie, which I thought was damn good. Should have got a sequel. Movie's but, uh, a blast. Yeah. It's a blast. So much. It, but it's not. But it's not the same as the show. I agree. It wasn't the same as the show. It, it's it it's nice, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But go back and watch them on TV Land or Nickelodeon or something, and enjoy Mr. T, George Papard, Dirk Benedict, and uh, Dwight. Damn, I was almost there. Eisenhower. Schultz. Eisenhower. Eisenhower. <laughs> also does great voiceover work all over the place. So all four of those guys are fantastic on the A-team. So this kind of has that vibe to it. So I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> watch watch the old episodes of the A-team and see how many bullets are shot yeah. and nobody ever gets hit. And always watch for the spring <laughs> that sends that Jeep over that little bush. Always, oh. every single time. <laughs> so good. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, there you go. Yeah, so we're excited. We'll see what happens. And I'm sure it'll be, there'll be, it'll take a while. Like Shannon said, it's probably going to be a while before we see anything from it. But certainly, it's exciting to know that it's in motion. And once again, this post uh, trilogy Star Wars is really exciting. I think people are coming back to the, franchise even more and are exciting about all the different excited rather about all the different directions it's going um and even with the kenobi series being pushed back a little bit it's still exciting overall to see what else is happening out there uh in in the world of star wars all right uh what's our second oh yeah so let's jump into our second thing i'll leave this one uh so we know everyone is quarantining or self-isolating and there are movies dropping on VOD or on streaming services right now and so we thought we'd talk about three of them that were getting a lot of buzz over the last few days and that is Palm Springs from Hulu, uh, 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 Greyhound from Apple Plus TV, and The Old Guard on Netflix. I will take Greyhound and just say that I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a tight 90 minutes of a naval battle. That's it. You get a little bit of background on Tom Hanks. That's all you need to know. Dude's religious. Uh, dude's very stressed about things. He likes to take care of his people, and he's a good commander. Uh, and that's it. And let's get into it. And that's basically it. 90 minutes. Elizabeth Shue is there at the beginning and at the end, and that's it. Uh, everything else is about him navigating through this thing called the um, the Black Pit, I think is what it's called, the Dark Pit. Something like that, where, neighbor, where uh, Air Force cover is not available during World War II, and they have to protect these uh, uh, ships that are carrying supplies to the Allies or carrying, uh, um, uh, I don't know, domestic goods or, or imported goods to the United States or to other countries. And so they have to protect these things so that commerce keeps going and uh, uh, money is still available for countries to use and sell goods and all that kind of stuff. So really exciting uh, work from Tom Hanks. You know, leading men in battle is something he's been doing now for a few movies. But uh, this one is tight. It's in and you're out. There's not really a lot of time to breathe. And by the time it's done, you're like, okay, I had a good time here, at least in my opinion. Let me ask you a question. I haven't watched it yet, but I have a question for you. No spoilers, but... Is this uh, is this a nice tight movie because you're watching it at home? Like if you saw this on the big screen, would you have left disappointed? Is it a better watch at home, or do you think on the big screen it would have been just as good? I'm just curious as to your yeah. opinion. Good question. I would classify this as a Saturday afternoon one o'clock showing. Like go, you, you heard it was good. You heard Tom Hanks was in it. Go for an afternoon matinee. Watch it for an hour and a half, rolling out and have a burger. That's basically the kind of movie okay. it is. You're not going to walk away from this deeply affected or like rethinking your life. It's just a fun, awesome time with Tom Hanks. And the, the action sequences are so realistic. I saw people complaining about it being too CGI. I didn't feel that way at all. The sound design is incredible. And the score is really good as well. 
Shannon, you saw it. What did you think? I did. Um, I, I agree with you. It is it is an 88 minute ride. You're in and you're out. And I think it still demonstrates the enduring uh, star poweredness and watchability of Tom Hanks. I mean, yeah. I think this this role with a different actor, would it have, would it have been as captivating? Maybe. But because you basically have America's dad up there <laughs> commanding these guys. Um, there's just there's a there's a soothing pre uh, presence that Tom Hanks has when he's on screen. I do think I, I would have liked to have seen this on the big screen just mm. because of the technical Great. stuff. I would I would have liked to have had the theater surround sound. But that being said, it's this is not a Friday or Saturday night at the movies. This is a good right. this is a good matinee film. And yeah. in terms of like watching it at home, watch it at night, turn the lights off. I mean, you will yeah. it, it's going to take you on a ride. Yeah, the only the only negative <clears throat> as we move on from this movie, the only negative is that when you watch the trailers, there's probably an extra half an hour of this film that got cut out because in the story, the actual story, because based on a book, it came out in the fifties, I think. Um, the the guy goes through a lot of like questioning of himself. He has mental health issues that he confronts in the book. Even in the fifties, they were talking about stuff in the fifties, and so all of that, you, it got teased in the trailer. You saw scenes in the trailer that don't show up in the movie of Tom Hanks questioning himself because it's the first time he's leading this battalion through this situation, uh, and so there were hints of that throughout the movie because you saw the soldiers react to him questioning him in their eyes, uh, and then just kind of following his orders a little bit, uh, uh, but and being nervous about it. So I think the the reaction stayed, but they didn't give us the foundation of why these soldiers were reacting a certain way. So I think some of it was cut out maybe for time, or maybe they felt it didn't work hundred uh, percent either way, you know, just take it for what it is. It's a, it's, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. And, and Tom Hanks wrote this, didn't he? He did. Yes. 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 Yeah. Interesting. Think first, so first uh, thing he's ever written, first film he's ever so written. How, good, good, uh, good dialogue. Good screenplay. It's felt, felt, felt nice. It's a lot of orders. A yeah. lot of orders. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. There's a lot of orders, a lot of come about, a lot of rear rudder, rear rudder, whatever he says. There's a lot of that. Not a lot of like emotional exchange of moments, um, uh, only in the beginning. Everything else is more about just trying to survive uh, these attacks and trying to outwit the Nazis uh, in their U-boats, which, you know, when the Nazis pop up, it's pretty awesome to see how close you get to see what a naval battle would look like uh, with the technology we have nowadays. So uh, I thought all of that spoke well for the movie. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Shannon, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? Uh, you know what? I'll go next because yours is going to end on a high. Um, <laughs> so, so I watched Old Guard on Netflix with Charlize Theron. And let me see. It was directed by... Her name is Gina Prince uh, Bythewood, yeah, also stars uh, uh, Matthias Schoenhardt, uh, Marwan Kanzari, Ch Chiwetel Ejiofor. I was really excited about this movie. Yeah. I thought it, it is based off of a graphic novel, which I have not read. Um, but based off of the trailer, I'm like, God, this looks, this looks like a kick-ass action movie. I mean, Charlize Theron always turns in a great performance. She's always such a captivating lead. As the film started, the action is good. But it, by the end, I was just kind of left wanting a little bit. I mean, it, it, it was what I would describe as what I used to know as a Netflix movie. I'm like, oh, it's, it's a Netflix movie. It's fine. It's fine. There's some decent action. But I feel like they have, again, not to go into uh, spoilers, but they have such a big world that they probably tried to stuff a little too much into it and thereby taking away from the stuff that they had. I mean, I think if they had 
reduced how much story they had and just focused on a, a, a just a few of the things that they that they have in the story, I think it would have been more effective. That being said, it was wonderful to have a, a, a new movie to watch. Mm. And if you want just a straight up action movie, this probably delivers, but you do see what other possibilities were there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got an hour and 10 minutes into it before I finally called it quits and I'm sure I'll finish it because I want to review it uh, for the channel separately. But um, overall, I I found that I was just disappointed. Um, I felt some of the beats were inauthentic. Some of the acting moments with Charlize and uh, uh, with the other young lady who was who was being recruited into this old guard. I thought there were some kind of surface level moments that were, hey, we're being badass as opposed to actually embodying the badassery. That being said, Charlize Theron's fight sequences are incredible. That woman is built to be an action star. She is so natural, so organic. The camera does not cut away to compensate for the fact that this person can't do it. She can do it. And certainly we saw the Atomic Blonde, but it gets even more reinforced reinforced here in Old Guard. And all I kept thinking is, why are we doing a prequel to Furiosa? Why not a sequel? Because it makes no sense, man. I think you and Charlize are thinking the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm as heartbroken (laughs) as Charlize is about it. But this is, it felt to me like something like uh, Triple Frontier, where all the elements were there, but when you watch it, there's just something missing to tie it all together to make it seem exciting and interesting. And Shannon's right. They're trying to shove way so much into there that you're just like, I'll just read the book. I'll just read the book. Because this is, why don't you just put it up as text on the screen right at the beginning so that, I mean, Blade Runner's done that. Conan has done that. Like, many, many films have done that to get you into the, my hell, uh, Greyhound did that. So many things get you into uh, the uh, the vibe of what the film is supposed to be and give you a little bit of background. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think it felt to me at times or most of the time like a B-movie European action film. And that kind of took away some of the weight of what I was hoping to see here, especially on the heels of The Boys, which is such a great adaptation of a graphic novel as a TV series, or The Umbrella Academy, putting it into a film like this. It just felt like they were, they were spending all this time laying the groundwork because they want to do sequels, not because this film can stand on its own. And I think that's uh, a deficiency of the film itself overall. Interesting. Well, I will, uh, I'll wrap us up on a high note then, as Shannon said. Uh, so the third thing that we were talking about on our Quarren screens uh, is uh, Hulu released uh, Palm Springs, um, which is a romantic comedy from the Lonely Island team uh, starring Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen, uh, I can say Miliati. 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 I kept, I, I want yeah, got it. Uh, Kristen Miliati. <laughs> Uh, directed by Max Barbacow and screenplay by Andy Siriara, Ciara. So basically, without getting into too much of the spoiler territory, uh, I actually, before I watched it, I started watching the trailer, and even the trailer to me was too spoilery. I like, shut it off 30 seconds in. I'm like, all right, I'm just watching this thing. Uh, it is basically a 2020 version of a Groundhog's Day kind of vibe that takes place around a wedding in Palm Springs. Uh, J.K. Simmons is also in the film. Um, I don't want to say too much, except for the fact that I just want everybody to know that in a time where we all feel like we are living the real life Groundhog's Day, (laughs) where we are just in this quarantine that just seems to like wash, rinse, repeat, new tragedy, wash, rinse, repeat, new scandal, wash, rinse, repeat, every day is bleeding into each other. This was exactly the little oasis of happiness that I needed. It is... um, it's funny in all the ways you would like it to be funny. It's sweet. 
It is endearing. It is surprisingly heartfelt and inspiring. It just makes you feel kind of good about the world. And like, and it really is just like laugh out loud. I can't believe they just did that funny. Uh, it, it's, you know, a lot of times when you get these kinds of movies, um, you feel like, and again, kind of to what we're, we've been talking about, you feel like when you see it on Hulu or Netflix, it's like, oh, that was funny. Not as funny as like if I saw right. it on the big screen kind of funny, but like that was enjoyable for what it was. And like, I was just super happy. And I think if I'd seen this on the big screen, I would have been, I would have enjoyed it just as much. I thought uh, whenever you have these sort of, um, at this point in, in cinema, like when we have like the Groundhog's Day type of idea or the Freaky Friday type of idea, like, or even like, uh, you know, the horror movie genre, like we've seen so many movies where all the characters kind of go through their same paces so when you take that idea and you twist it a little bit and you do something slightly different with it uh, and it works, it's really, 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 really fun. And so because we all have seen versions of Groundhog's Day several times at this point, uh, seeing a version that kind of takes it and twists it on its head a bit, which I don't want to say too much more about it than that, uh, just was such a delight. And plus, there's one thing in there that maybe if we do a spoiler, talk about it later. There's one thing that they see at some point in the movie that I am completely fascinated by why they put it in the movie and I've been thinking about it nonstop. That's all I'll say. What if you, what if, yeah. no, we've, all seen, we've all seen Palm Springs. Right? We've all yeah. watched yeah. it. So you agree, disagree? Like, how do you guys feel about it? 100% agree. It was, it was a lovely, lovely movie. Lighthearted, but still had substance. Um, and it's the type of movie I feel like right now we as a people really need. I mean, because it's, it's funny. And I think at, at its heart, it's good. I mean, it's, it reminds me of... Uh, it's going to come out in August on HBO Max, the uh, An American Pickle, the Seth Rogen movie, where he plays oh, yeah, yeah. his ancestor from 100 years ago and the current day version of himself. I feel so like good. comedy is comedy, but comedy with substance is what we need as a people right now. And I feel like if you do, if you have Hulu, 100% worth your 90 minutes, two hours. And if you don't have Hulu, I imagine there's probably a two week free subscription. It is, it is worth giving them your email just to be able to watch this movie. Yeah. 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 I agree with that a thousand percent. Um, uh, Lindley was on the fence about this one. <clears throat> and then we watched a little bit of the trailer and she's like, okay, all right. And she goes, but I'm gonna turn it off. If I don't like it 10 minutes in, I'm like, all right, we she got is- 10 minutes in and she was, she was, oh yeah, she's, she's hard on the movies. She was absolutely in love with it. Thoroughly enjoyed the comedy, thoroughly enjoyed the sarcasm involved. Kristen Miliati absolutely became her favorite person in the whole film. Uh, and it's incredible to see like, cause I had only seen Kristen Miliati in a couple of the things. I think she was in how I met your mother for a, for a, she had an arc on that as well. The girl with the umbrella or something like that, or yellow umbrella. And so she had, she had obviously been laying the groundwork for quite some time for herself. This is a breakout role. This is a role. When you see her in this, you go, Oh, I want her in everything I'm going to see in the future. I can see her in a superhero movie. I can see her in Star Wars. I can see her in anything, uh, big franchise. You put her in anything. She kind of has that Vanessa Kirby vibe for the stateside situation. So I like that about her. But she also brings weight to the role, right? Like we talked about uh, Greyhound here. Greyhound is like, what, 90 minutes in and out with Tom Hanks. This is 90 minutes, but there's a lot of weight to it, emotional weight to it from the journey that uh, um, uh, uh, Andy Samberg's character is on and the journey that Kristen Miliotti's character yeah. is on without giving anything away and the journey J.K. Simmons' character is on as well. All three of them intersecting in such an interestingly out-of-this-world way that I really loved. Um, and more than anything else, it's a film that works for you on just the surface as a comedy. 
But if you really want to feel the emotional beats that are uh, running throughout it underneath, it's there for you to enjoy. And it'll speak to you uh, in a way more than Old Guard or Greyhound might um, uh, if you're going to give it a chance and watch it. And it's like already it's the highest uh, rated Hulu film or most downloaded Hulu film ever. So it broke records for that as well. And so that speaks uh, uh, um, uh, positively about it. And also one last thing, they weren't going to do the film. They were knee deep about to start shooting the film when Russian Doll came out. And so I'll leave it at that. And they were questioning whether they should drop it like another Groundhog Day type of movie. And everybody went back to their corners and it looked like the film wasn't going to be done. I read this in The Ringer. Andy Samberg was talking about it. And then uh, something else came out that kind of is like Russian Doll as a TV series. I can't remember the name of it, but that the fact that that got great ratings, they were like, okay, so there is enough of a market for people to see these kinds of movies. And yeah, I think Shannon, you're absolutely right. This is a perfect movie for our time right now. I think Mike said that too. This idea that we feel like every day is a bit of a loop. Like we're in the same kind of day uh, because we're all quarantined or self-isolating. And so what can we do with our time? The film kind of explores that as well. So I, I really appreciate that about the movie. Yeah, and I mean, and actually, Russian Dolls, I, I did not know that, and I think that's fascinating. And I completely understand why them seeing Russian Doll, you might be like, oh, fuck, shit, mm-hmm. did they beat us to it? But again, I think like both Russian Doll and uh, and Palm Springs handle, the tone is completely different, yeah. and they both handle the Groundhog's Day concept very differently in what the characters are trying to get to. Uh, so it's a great example on how you can take sort of the same basic idea uh, and two different creative teams can go in totally different directions. So definitely go check out Palm Springs. If you're having a shitty day, if you're over the quarantine, if you don't know what to do with yourself, pour yourself like a nice margarita, put on like your best beach outfit, watch Palm Springs and pretend you're on summer vacation for real days <laughs> and not this hellhole summer vacation that we're all in right now. <laughs> There you go. There's our mini reviews of all three of those films uh, for you all to take and uh, decide if you want to watch any of them. Uh, All right. What's our last one? Shannon, I think you got this one, right? Our last geek news item. Our last news item for the day as production slowly, slowly starts internationally, not so much in the U.S. yet, but as, as it slowly starts to restart internationally, we're still getting film announcements. And what came out on Variety yesterday, I think is a great freaking idea. They are finally, it seems like, going to be rebooting Fletch. Now, for those of our younger listeners, Fletch is a series of of books that was translated into films in the 80s, two films with Chevy Chase. They have been trying to reboot this for 20 years, it seems like. And and Fletch is an an investigative journalist. It's it's very comedic, but it also also has a little bit of a mystery to it. Several actors have been linked to this project over the decades. Jason Lee was supposed to do it at one point. Jason Sudeikis. Ryan Reynolds' name was thrown in a little while ago. Well, now, according to Variety, they are going to get going with John Hamm in the lead. John Hamm of Mad Men fame, who we found out later through 30 Rock and other uh, guest appearances on comedies and in subsequent films, John Hamm is really, really funny. Yeah. So it's going to be coming from Miramax. It's going to be based off of the second Fletch novel, which is called Confess Fletch. And the director is actually a guy named Greg Matola. So he hasn't done any films very recently, but he was wow. the director. Yeah, he was the director behind Superbad. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he was the director behind Adventureland, which I think is a very underrated 
little movie. Um, he's done a lot of work on Arrested Development, but he's also uh, dipped his toe in the drama pool as well. I think this is a great idea. John Hamm, along with being funny, he is inc he's incredibly handsome, but he's not intimidating to a guy audience because he is so funny in just kind of a goofball way. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a great idea. Gentlemen, what do you think? Um, I would say I, I'm on the fence about it. Uh, really? Because John Hamm's a little long in the tooth and what, at this point in his career. And one of the things I enjoyed about Fletch is that's a guy – in his 30s, who thinks he can get away with the things he's getting away with. Ham is closer to his 50s uh, or in his 50s. And it feels like, oh, you're still doing this act. So I think it depends on the story, right? For me, it depends on the story. Uh, I would have to see how Fletch works. Because I'll still defend Fletch lives. There are sequences in that story, that film that are funny. Uh, so I like that character. I like, I don't love it as much as other people love it. Uh, but I do know that that's Chevy Chase's bread and butter, basically, that, that, that film. So seeing John Hamm step in, Ryan Reynolds felt more natural to me. Sarcastic guy, you know, sliding in shots under his breath or behind, you know, right, right in front of people, whatever. That just, that's just, he can do that in his sleep. So the John Hamm thing is interesting because also John Hamm is dashing. He's handsome. He's good looking. Chevy Chase has that. He was like good looking for a comedian, right? Uh, John Hamm is good looking for a man. There's a big difference here. And so it's like, whoa, how are they going to play against that type? Uh, when I was first looking at doing stand-up, one of my uh, ex-girlfriends who was really successful doing stand-up, she said to me, she said, the thing about you is that you are, you kind of come off in a certain way, like you you announce your energy in the world. you got to be self-deprecating about your energy. you got to put yourself down because most comedians don't have that energy, and that's essential. So you're looking at John Hamm stepping into this thing, and you're like, well, how is he going to underplay that he's in the bubble? Are they going to give him steel hands? Like, how is he going to underplay being in the bubble? So I'm curious. It doesn't excite me, but it certainly makes me curious to see what he can do with this. Mike, I mean, I'm not, I'm not worried about that aspect of it because, like, okay. if you look at John Hamm and like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or some of the other stuff he's done, like, he can definitely undercut his handsomeness. Like, he okay. is really, really funny. Um, I, uh, so I, I, I'm not as concerned about that aspect. What I do wonder, and like. I granted most comedies of this era of the eighties were this, but like Fletch to me, when I think back on it, and I haven't watched either of them in a very, very long time, yeah. but like in the post me too era is like, I, I feel like these movies were very not of yeah what we would, ex what we would say is appropriate today in, in the post black lives matter era as well, as well. Right. If you look at that sequel. Yeah. So that actually, if they if they if they face that head on, that can be a plus and not a minus. But like, and, and kind of to your point about John Hamm being a very different type of uh, uh, Fletch than Chevy Chase would have been, or even Ryan Reynolds would have been. Again, I'm just curious as to how they're going to reinterpret the character because yeah. I think that there is this idea that the Fletch franchise is a great franchise. To Shannon's point, they've been trying to do something with it for years, and taking Fletch and reinterpreting that for post me to post post black lives matter post where we live today <clears throat> if you can handle that in a very uh funny and very uh relevant way that could be like a huge win it could be yeah. sort of the comedic hero that we need in this time <clears throat> and if you don't it could be very like <laughs> so uh so i'm curious to see what they do with it uh I'm probably not as excited as Shannon, but not quite as on the fence as Johnny. I'm kind of like right down the middle, kind of like, a, huh, well, this is interesting. Let's see what happens. <laughs>
All right. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, anything more to Emma? And it'll be curious to see who they get as the female co-lead for him. Uh, and what this, I'm not familiar with, this, with the second book, so I don't know what the plot of the second book is. Uh, well, I can tell you here, John. Oh, please, please. Feel free. <laughs> in a mysterious chain of events, Fletch finds himself in the middle of multiple murders, one of which pins him as a prime suspect. Oh. While on a quest to prove his innocence, Fletch is tasked with finding his fiance's stolen art collection acquired after her father goes missing and is presumed dead. Mm, interesting. All right. Oh, All right. That is a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly sounds more serious. So maybe that is the route they're going. It's a little more, I mean, he's being accused of stuff. I don't think they're going to go serious. Well, I don't I mean, think could, it's a little more weight is what I mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a stolen art collection from a fiance's dad who is presumed dead kind of lends itself more yeah. to comedy. Um, the world ain't going to end if you don't find this art collection. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Fair <laughs> and whenever a, an investigative reporter finds himself as a suspect in a murder, hilarity. Hilarity. <laughs> hilarity ensues. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there we go. That's our Geek News items uh, for uh, this week. So uh, we're excited, to, I guess, or curious to see what's going to go on. With uh, and uh, <laughs> we'll certainly have more information. And we'll see if this one even gets off the ground, to be honest with you. So we got to see. We don't have a script yet, but yeah, it's great to have Matola dance around this i like that idea as well i i even enjoyed paul i thought paul had some redeeming qualities overall as a movie which he also directed so uh all right well uh, let's take a bit of a break here hear from our sponsors for those of you who are listening to us on the podcast channel for those who are watching us on youtube just give us about five seconds we'll be right back <laughs> charge yeah right da, I don't... Da, 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 da. oh charge da, 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 da. charge <laughs> Is this the sports thing? Is this that's, sports? That's what they do at baseball games. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if they say charge at baseball games. But yeah. Hey, bada, 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 so we win. Hamana, 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 hamana. Can it, can it, can it, swing, bada. Uh, all right, anyway, um, so as we were saying earlier in the show, uh, this was the weekend I think that we were going to be going uh, to Comic-Con and hanging out, and I was planning to go this year. For sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, it all got put aside because of COVID and the coronavirus situation, and rightfully so. And please wear I, your mask. I uh, did, uh, yeah, I did uh, yesterday at about <clears throat> uh, noonish. Noonish? Yeah. I, I kind of was sitting here and I was like, huh, this, <laughs> this time every year for the past several years is when uh, Kalinowski and Shannon pull into my garage. Kalinowski loads about 30 cases of Diet Coke into <laughs> yes. the trunk Agreed. of my car yes. we load everything up he gets he gets donuts from voodoo donuts then we go pick up johnny who always tells us that we overpacked the car and there's not enough room for his stuff for my stuff but then we but then we get his stuff in there and we all load in and we drive down to san diego the four of us and we uh we talk we talk about uh geeky things i argue with kalinowski about uh several issues that i have with the dc universe he yells at me and tells me that I'm a Marvel lover and that I don't know what I'm talking about. And then we pull up. He calls you champ very aggressively. Very aggressively. Yeah. Hey, champ, let me ask you a question. And I'm like, oh, I'm driving. Let me ask you this. I I get so enwrapped with what I'm saying about geeky things that I almost drive us off the road several times. True. Then we eventually get to San Diego. We pull up to the hotel and we enter like five, four days, four and a half days of just like, 
super geekery tomfoolery, uh, running around the Gaslamp District, going to parties, going to panels, like dealing with the intense BO. I yeah. even miss the intense BO. I even I do miss too. the, like, I'm just, it's kind of a bummer. Um, like, this is the first year in, like, yeah. What, how many years? Like, it's like, yeah, like, so it, it, yeah. It, it, you know, another hit thanks to Corona. Like, definitely there are people that are suffering more than we are in this instance, but I'm still sad that we are suffering by missing uh, San Diego Comic-Con. It's not the same without six Auntie Anne pretzels over five days. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same without going into the shirt booths and Shannon and I spending some time looking at overpriced shirts that we can get. Uh, <laughs> it's not the same for me on the last day, walking around uh, the um, sellers of comic books and graphic novels and trying to get the best deals so I can have a stack of stuff to read over a year before I come back again for Comic-Con. Uh, and of course, not the same about the, like sneaking out in the middle of the day to go back to the air-conditioned room, which we keep at about 61 degrees uh, the oh, whole time, which is amazing. It's luscious. Uh, <laughs> it's not the same without one of us stumbling home drunk and uh, uh, with some shenanigans or some story to tell. Uh, it's not one of us. One of us. <laughs> no, we, all, we all take our turn. Uh, mm. When people stick around for them to walk them home. Uh, we all have our things where we leave a man behind. We all have our things where we go and find a place to have a nice cigar and smoke uh, and have a drink. Um, Shannon left. Shannon left. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll never forgive you. Uh, and, uh, I'm never, and then wandering around and trying to get into panels and seeing what, what new code word we can do to get into Hall H. Like all those things are are are, are so much fun, and and uh, you know they've become harder to do over the last few years because it has become a young person's game. But we're always still game to go down there and have some fun and try and get the best out of it. And of course, listen, we- <laughs> listen Grandpa, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. I've, I've seen you two struggle in the last few years. Give me a break. Give me a break. I know listen. your blood should be your body needs to be studied by science. Mike Listen, Vogel, that's for damn All sure. I'm saying is, you haven't seen me slow down. I get to Comic-Con, and I'm still going on very little sleep. It's incredible. Five hours. That's all you need. Five hours pop up. It's like you It's like you ooze the liquor onto the sheets, and you go right to work out. It's incredible. Uh, it's like, have you ever seen a golden retriever dream? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Vogel's sleep pattern for, for four nights. And he wakes up refreshed, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. I'm the last one. I'm the last one asleep. Sometimes yes. don't quite remember how I made it into bed. First one up. Yeah. At the gym, back and ready to go. Y- young kids game my ass. Shannon and I are still in bed. Uh, checking our phones. Uh, we're looking at what we're gonna do for the day. All that. So it's a shame to not be going back this year. And I would have. It would have been exciting to, as the outlaw nation, going down there, like seeing what I could come. Right. Seeing what videos I could put up challenging myself to see what kind of uh, um, footage I could get. And also uh, the three of us doing a Geek Buddies episode, maybe live there from the convention floor or from well, our hotel room. Uh, I'd Every say like, poolside, poolside at the Marriott. Poolside, that is would fine be, too. poolside at the Marriott would be my, my, my goal. Like, can we do like actually a Geek Buddies episode, like from the hot tub? Yeah, we could do that. Yes, that's, that's my, that's my, up, that's my choice. That's my choice for next year. If we set up the camera in a certain way, I think that's, that's absolutely possible. Please, I would be please. wearing a shirt, but yes. John's, John, John, John's camera equipment and mechanical stuff, just in case it falls in. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. exactly. But 
But anyway. drinks, but, but drinks on me. But drinks on me. There we go. I, always, and that's the best. Uh, but anyway, we thought a great way to celebrate the fact that uh, <clears throat> we're not going to get to go down, and of course, many of you all listening to us are not going either, uh, is to kind of talk about what we would. Uh, how would we fantasy book Comic-Con this year? Well, what would we like yeah. to see rebooted? What announcements, casting announcements, what property franchise IP announcements? We'd like to see all of that. So who wants to go? Or do yeah. you want to flesh that? Because like, yeah, well, just because like we were talking about it and like you always know when you go to a Comic-Con, there's certain panels that you're excited about. Yeah, like you yeah. have your favorite shows. Like for me, I always want to go to the Steven Universe panel or like we always want to go into Hall H because we know that Marvel's going to talk about their movies or we know that Warner Brothers is going to talk about the next Fantastic Beast or the next DC movies. But I think all of us, as we were talking about it, the thing that's always the best is like those surprise announcements. It's like something yeah. you were never expecting. And a lot of times that does sort of constitute like reboots or adaptations of something that you never yeah. thought would get adapted or like, holy shit, I can't believe they're doing that. So we thought this would be a good opportunity to kind of talk about like the, the reboots and the uh, adaptations and the things that we would love to see that we haven't seen yet and uh, put it out in the universe. And uh, maybe uh, who knows? Who knows what will happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who wants to go first? Uh, I will go first. So. Yeah. In, in this scenario, this is at the end of a panel, maybe Sony Pictures, at the end no. of the panel that... Picture it, San Diego, <laughs> 2020. It's at the conclusion of the Spider-Man 3 <laughs> panel that Sony does. Oh. They, br they bring out Nicole Cassell. Now, for those of you who don't know who she is, she was one of the executive, producing, was, uh, executive producers and one of the main directors on this year's, uh, or last year's Watchmen series. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah very, has done a, a ton of big television, done episodes of Westworld. Um, she comes out on stage to talk about a character, and I have no idea if Nicole Cassell actually likes this guy, <laughs> <laughs> talk about a character that she's been wanting to adapt for a while, and then in through the speakers, we hear a maniacal laugh. Ha, 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 asking, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Wow. The shadow knows. Nice. And she talks about her new modern-day interpretation of the shadow, wow. where okay. a very old Lamont Cranston finds another individual who can cloud men's minds. And that individual is going to be played by Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians fame, oh, nice. also playing Snake Eyes. They bring him out. He talks about how excited he is to interpret this character for a modern audience. But obviously, they can't do this character. The, he has to have his mentor, and they bring out the mentor. It's his very first Comic-Con. He's coming out of retirement wow. to play this role. It is Daniel Day-Lewis as oh! a very old Lamont Cranston. Love it. Do you ever have that feeling like you thought you were ready with your homework assignment, but then you get to <laughs> class and you realize that you misunderstood the, the assignment and that you're completely unprepared? Listening to Shannon's very well thought out uh, yes. Comic-Con pitch, I did not do as much of my homework as I thought I did. Just throwing that out there now. But classic Vogel, he'll come up with it on the fly, and it'll be just as good like he did back then in school. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I did do it. I, I was pretty good. We'll see. Well, okay, so the one that I thought of right away when we were talking about, like, what we would love to see is uh, – let me, let me see if I can set the stage. Uh, we're at – we're in Hall H. We're at the Warner Brothers panel. Uh, they just – 
talked about the latest Fantastic Beast movie. Didn't go so great. Uh, people not so excited about it. Ezra Miller came out, kind of got booed. They mentioned J.K. Rowling's name. Wow. A lot of yelling. It, was, it didn't go great, so that was not good. The DC panel, on the other hand, which I was not very excited about, very exciting. Keaton came out. Michelle Pfeiffer came out. They talked about how they were going to bring him into the DC universe. And even the most hard-hearted fan of the DC Cinematic Universe, like me, was like, all right, I'll give it to him. Then they're like, we have something we didn't. A lot of you might not even remember this, but there's something we wanted to uh, to bring out. And the screen comes down, and they play the movie trailer uh, from 1987 for Inner Space, oh. starring Dennis Quaid, Meg Ryan, and Martin Short. Which, yeah. for those of you that don't know, basically, Dennis Quaid gets shrunk down in a tiny little ship, injected into Martin Short's body, and takes over like parts of his body so you can listen and hear. And it is a ridiculous sci-fi comedy where Martin Short has a tiny Dennis Quaid in his body. And it was one of those great 80s movies that was like super funny, but also kind of cool action and excitement and kind of sci-fi elements to it. And Meg Ryan is adorable. Uh, Robert Picardo plays a crazy weird cowboy dude. Like it was great. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, go back and check it out. Martin Short is ridiculously funny in it. Um, and they say that they're going to be rebooting Inner Space, and here's the part where I don't know that I can handle this homework assignment because I didn't recast it, <laughs> but uh, but I'm going to say that they bring out fuck, um, Anna Kendrick. This is, like and, the, this is like the moment of City Slickers when he's trying to like, what yeah. flavor ice cream? <laughs> they bring out, <laughs> they bring out um, Anna Kendrick, okay. Andy Samberg, Sea bass, yeah, and uh, shockingly, Tom Cruise. What? Yeah, Tom yeah. Cruise. Little bit rebooted, little bit changed, but Tom Cruise is actually going to play the Dennis Quaid role. Little bit older now, but he's going to be the guy. And it's about Tom Cruise getting injected into Andy Samberg's body. Um, they make it clear that Anna Kendrick isn't necessarily playing like the Dennis Quaid love interest, but uh, she's playing sort of a new role. And they show a little bit of footage and it wows everybody and everyone's super excited and inner space is going to become the next big reboot uh, from the eighties. How did I do? Did I, did I pull it off? I uh, that was pretty good. Pulled it off. Can I, can I offer a pitch? Oh, here we go. go. Go for it. She plays Tom Cruise's estranged daughter that Andy Samberg has to go and connect with. Oh, there we oh go. a little bit, of, a little bit of uh, Armageddon in there. A little bit of Armageddon vibes. I like it. I'm in. <laughs> Sold. Green light. Speaking Shannon McClung writing the movie. I love it. Speaking of which, that's my pitch. Armageddon. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Armageddon 2. Uh, no. Um, oh, damn, that's tough to follow up those two pitches. I will do my best. Uh, I don't think I've thought it out as deeply as you two have, but I will uh, do my best. Um, Thank you. Thank you for including me. <laughs> I would absolutely include you. Uh, we're sitting there. We got in. We said the magic password. The security guard let us in. We're sitting in that front row. Not the front row, but that, that uh, area in between uh, the stacks of uh, people. So we, the people are walking by. So we're sitting there comfortable. We have some leg room. Lights go dark. It's the Warner Brothers panel, I think. No, no. It's the Disney panel. Uh, lights go dark, and then all the panels light up on in Hall H. All those screens light up, and the curtains get shoved back, and it's like, oh, what is this all about? 
and then we hear this one uh, uh, sound, um, and it's a line from a movie, and it says, we are the future, Charles, not them. They no longer matter. And then we start to see images of a certain diminutive fighter guy with claws and you start to go like what is this all what is this all what is this all about and they say coming in 2022 wolverine and it is whoa and then you go and then they come out it's uh what is his name chris hardwick i think it's hardwick or whoever they want to bring out Oh, maybe it's Aisha Tyler comes out. It should be funny to do it. Aisha Tyler. (laughs) She comes out and says it. And then she introduces who's going to direct it. And it's a guy who's taking a little bit of a break from superhero films. And they're bringing him back to do his version of Wolverine, Christopher Nolan. (laughs) And his Wolverine will star Michael B. Jordan. Black Wolverine in the X-Men universe, completely revamped. You talk about, you know, Miles Morales with a, a Spider-Man. Uh, you talk about Ultimate Spider-Man, rather. You talk about Ultimate X-Men, and you start off with someone like Michael B. Jordan. On the heels of Black Lives Matter, on the heels of these calls for more diversity, more uh, gen- uh, more colorblind casting, Michael B. Jordan is a fantastic Wolverine with that intensity, that ferocity, and he is leading the new team of X-Men into the next, into the future. And Nolan is directing this version of Wolverine to get us back into the vibe. I'm throwing it out there. I don't know. I have, I have so many notes on what you just said, but in the (laughs) spirit of Comic-Con, but in the spirit of Comic-Con, I'm going to just say, I'm excited too, Johnny. I'm excited too. (laughs) What are your notes? What are your notes? I mean, Michael B. Jordan's already in the universe. I don't think you're going to get Christopher Nolan to direct a movie for Marvel. And if they're going to go for a different kind of take on Wolverine, they'll probably go female like an X-23 vibe before they go black. But I do appreciate the colorblind casting aspects of it. And I think that it's still really cool and Michael B. Jordan can do anything. So I'm still not mad at the casting. So overall, I think as far as like a reboot that we would love to see uh and we all do know that like that is coming down the pipe i think it's good but uh you know i did easier route to go i certainly would want to see that but i thought well you know there's been a lot of rumors about michael b jordan being superman and uh people being upset about that and i thought this is a way where michael b jordan could take on a role i don't think as many people would be upset about it if he was wolverine because i haven't seen anybody that they've named that i legitimately want to see as wolverine and michael b jordan is the only one for whatever reason that's been in my head yeah um, all right, let me snake it back with another one, and then we'll go back to you guys. All right, all right. This is a quick one. Just before they walk off the panel, who did this one? I wanted to, I, I don't know the studio. It's whatever studio did this. They're like, well, oh, well, you guys have. We been- are we are in the middle of the Hoosier panel. We invited Benjamin panel. Uh, uh, they said, look, you all enjoyed this movie. From 2012, people have been clamoring for it to come back from Lionsgate. And Lionsgate has just closed a deal with Netflix for a limited 10-episode series. And the lights go down, and then you hear justice. And then a helmet pops up, and it's the helmet 
of dread. And Carl Urban comes out, and it's Carl Urban coming back to do dread in a 10-episode series for in conjunction with Lionsgate and Netflix and taking what he did in that first movie and elevating it to the next level. And Carl Urban is super excited to be there uh, and have a good time with everybody. All right, that's my those are my two pitches. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll bring us back to the uh, not the Marvel panel, but the Disney panel. Okay. Uh, you know they're announcing a lot of the stuff that they know that we know is coming. They kind of give us a little sneak peek of the next Pixar movie, a little Disney feature animation. Then they put together a really cool clip reel of all of the live action Disney remakes, uh, okay. including like some really cool footage for like the Little Mermaid that's coming out soon, and kind of show all these things. Uh, now, I will say, I'm not the biggest fan of all the Disney remakes. Uh, for our longtime listeners, everybody knows that as much as Lion King might be one of my favorite movies, I hate that live action remake. Um, but then they say this, they say, they say, you know, we've really been going through the vault. And uh, we think that there's a couple things that people have been asking for. And I think uh, we're about ready to do it. And then lights go down, the screen comes up, and they put together like a really cool montage of Jim Hawkins and Milo Thatch from Treasure Planet and Atlantis. Mm. And they announced that the next two live action adaptations are going to be a live action adaptation of Treasure Planet first, followed two years later by a live action remake of Atlantis. And everybody goes nuts because even though those two movies are not necessarily the top money makers, they're not the most successful movies for Disney feature animation, Right. Both of them are these huge stories, stories that arguably didn't fully get what they needed to get out of the 80 to 90 minute runtime of an animated feature film. And translated to live action, they are going to be completely different, completely reimagined on a whole other level than you could ever imagine in, in animation. And everybody goes absolutely nuts. Wow. Okay. Okay. Boom. I like it. I, I like didn't. It. I didn't have a second one ready, so this is going to be off the cuff. (laughs) Now you know how it feels. (laughs) But at the conclusion of the Warner Brothers panel, they come back on stage like, you guys, we just, we forgot to say one, we forgot to tell you one little thing. That in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. They bring out their director for the Green Lantern Corps, it is Edgar Wright. Oh! He didn't get what he needed from Marvel for Ant-Man. They got him over to DC with the Green Lantern Corps. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to our John Stewart, John David Washington. Wow. Comes out. He Tenet was a huge hit. He's a new action star. And he's saying he's the newest member of the Green Lantern Corps. And he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to just wield this ring by myself. I, I, uh, first day, I need someone to show me the ropes. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, our Hal Jordan, Tom Cruise. There it is. Finally, Tommy is in a superhero film. Wow. I mean, <laughs> Hal Jordan. <laughs> I like it. I can get behind it. I can get behind it. I can get behind oh, wow. it. <laughs> I'm not judgy about the Cruise. All right. Um, <laughs> you, used, you used him first. Yeah. I mean, listen, I was flying by the seat of my pants there. <laughs> I, was, was the cruise, man. I was going full on Maverick. I, I didn't know we had to cast these things. I was 
It was a surprise to me. <laughs> uh, I got one more quick one, if that's all right with you guys. Um, the lights go down. Maybe Warner Brothers panel. And all of a sudden, we hear this. Is this the construction at your house, or is this something different? <laughs> that's me. All right. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of this massive screen, we see slowly come up the logo the black and white logo for Toho Limited, the Japanese uh, studio that's uh, that did all the Kurokurosawa uh, samurai films. And we see images and scenes of the seven samurai coming up. Boom, 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 boom. And then it stops on whatever the quote they want to use there. You know, we survived again. Uh, and then, boom, the lights go out. I mean, the lights go ba- go up, and uh, out comes uh, a Japanese film scholar, whoever you want to say, maybe someone famous at the time, maybe even uh, someone who is a big fan of uh, Japanese films or whatever, and comes out, maybe it's Scorsese, maybe it's Coppola. Coppola comes out and introduced, who are both big fans of uh, Kurosawa, or maybe it's George Lucas. Holy shit, never mind, it's George Lucas. George Lucas comes out. The place goes apeshit. He's got his flannel shirt tucked into his acid wash jeans and his white sneakers. Walks out. So Hi, everybody. I was uh, really excited about uh, Seven Samurai. It's a uh, big inspiration to me, Kurosawa. Hmm. I guess, I, you know, I like Samurai. I like this white. <laughs> and then he introduces a reimagining of the Seven Samurai in Japanese directed by Takashi McKay, who did 13 Assassins, a film from 2010, which is incredible if you haven't watched it. And the leader of the Seven Samurai this time will be played by Hiroki Sanada. Hiroyuki Sanada, who was in The Last Samurai. He was also in Endgame. He's the one that Ronin fights. Um, And he will lead a new Seven Samurai, and it'll be the three-hour version, a remake of the three-hour version seven samurai for uh, our time in japanese shot in japan all of that i would be i would lose my mind i would absolutely lose my i mind. might i might be more excited about that than my favorite adaptation of seven samurai which Bugs is Life. oh yes Bugs Life. <laughs> very good point very good point uh my last one i'm not i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna give you the whole thing last i'm just one. gonna say the one the last one that i had uh on my list and shannon and i have actually discussed this before so i was surprised oh. he didn't use it uh but uh, movie that ne- you go back and watch it from 1984 yeah. does not necessarily hold up, but the idea is still so good uh-huh. that I know we throw Tom Holland around a lot. That's why I didn't. I mean, I'd like to throw Tom Holland around a lot. That's oh, that's um, uh, calm it down. Yeah. Uh, I didn't want to use him in the uh, in the Atlantis <laughs> example because a lot of people have already gone there. But what I would love to see Tom Holland in is a remake of 1984's The Last Starfighter, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> about a young kid, a young kid who at the, yep. in, in 84, living in a trailer park, played the uh, 8-bit video game that was there, got really, really good at it. And when he reached the high score, Alien came down and picked him up and said, this was your training ground. We need you. And he went up and fought as the last starfighter in an epic space battle against an alien force. Now, Shannon and I, several years ago, were like, we should like develop a reboot of this. And we went and we like got the Blu-ray of Last Starfighter. We oh, sat nice. down and watched it. And it does not hold up. The cheese no. level is intense. It's but of- 
the idea of somebody like playing a video game and being so obsessed with the video game, I think is actually even more relevant today than it was then. And so as a concept, I think Universal should oh thousand percent remake Last Starfighter. And I think Tom Holland would be perfect for it. So there you go. That's my last one. I like, it. I like it. I like it. All right. I'll, last one. All last right. one. And it'll be quick. It'll All be right. quick. We're at but, the level uh, five mark. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to find. Oh, okay. I got him. Okay. <laughs> so at the end of uh, the Sony panel, again, oh. Adam McKay comes out. Oh. Comes out. He's like, folks, we just signed this deal. We've been talking a lot about uh, monster anatomy. And I just want you all to know that summer 2023, we will find out definitely that the Wolfman has nards. It is going to be <laughs> a remake of 1987's The Monster Squad. There it is. Boom. <laughs> That's all, all right. I got. I, I like it. I like hey, listen, it. People no, love I, Monster listen. Squad. Uh, Monster Squad is another one that really doesn't hold up as much as you would like it to, but Stan Winston's creature effects in Monster Squad to this day still look better than half the CG that we see on movies. Like it is, that's that's worth the watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they use a lot of LGBTQ slurs in that one. That really, uh, that's a hard that that, that, that uh, kicks me in the nards every time I watch it. But <laughs> despite that, uh, I do love seeing all those monsters together. It's a remake. Go. It's a remake. Awesome. We're gonna I fix love. some things. We're gonna fix it. <laughs> Ooh, can't do that. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. That's our uh, Geek Buddies uh, programming of uh, our fantasy programming of Comic-Con this year. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, maybe you have some ideas about what you would like to have seen uh, at, at Comic-Con this year. Would you would love to have seen announced? Let us know in the comments section below. Let us know what you thought about our thoughts on Fletch and our thoughts on uh, on uh, the movie, the three movies we highlighted and also about the Bad Batch. So do all that in the comments section below. We know we're wide open to hear your thoughts of course mike and i respond shannon responds every once in a while but we'd like to kind of talk to you all and hear what you think so um uh thank you so much for watching and for listening to the show shannon what do we have to tell yeah if you'd like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media where i do respond on twitter it's <laughs> at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to follow mr vogel it's at mk tune if you'd like to follow mr roca it's at the roca says uh, and hey, listen, right now is the point of the day at Comic-Con where I'm probably going to go to an afternoon party. Uh, Shannon is probably going to go to the room and read some comics. John has a lot of interviews and meetings that he has to do, so he's going to catch up with us later. He's <laughs> probably going to try and meet us for dinner, but then he's going to find out where we're having dinner and say he's going to pass, but he'll catch up with us later. So that's what we're going to do. But what we want you to do right now uh, is go down and uh, hit like and hit subscribe on, on Johnny's page here. Uh, leave us some comments below. Uh, and then if you're not following us on Twitter, go do that and uh, leave us some comments there too. Let us know what kind of reboots you would like to see. Like what are your reboots that you would love? Who would you cast in them? What do you want to do? And in the meantime, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Anchor or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, definitely rate us there too. Definitely leave some comments. Uh, definitely retweet us. Definitely let people know they should check Geek Buddies out. The more you do all of that stuff for us, the more people join the conversation. And as we've been saying over the past few weeks, uh, as everyone's been quarantining, people have been finding Geek Buddies. Uh, we've been entertaining more people yeah. and we just want to keep uh, keep the keep the wave going. So send us around. Let's bring more people into the conversation and let's keep getting geeky together. Yeah, yeah. The buddies uh, 
You know, you can never have too many buddies. Uh, someone once said that in a movie. You can never have too many buddies, and there's nothing wrong with bringing more and more people in, as as Michael said. So, uh, thank you all so much of, as, for watching us or for listening to us on the podcast uh, version. And uh, we will uh, talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.